Episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. I'm Matt Evans, Director of Instructional Technology and Digital Resources in the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division at ACC. Today I'm joined by Sam Greer, Director of Employer Outreach and Experiential Learning Programs, as we talk about the impact of service learning and internships on guided pathways. Sam, thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here. Wonderful. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. And uh, for those uh, listeners who are not familiar with your office or your team or what you guys do, tell us a little bit about the goals and missions of your uh, of your department. Sure, Matt. Um, OEL, which is the Office of Experiential Learning, uh, is part of TLED, the Teaching Learning Excellence Division, meaning that we're faculty support. So we do not work directly with students necessarily. Uh, instead, we work directly with faculty. We also, as my title implies, I am a director of employer outreach. So I work directly with uh, several hundred employers uh, to engage them directly with our departments. And so uh, the goals and missions of my area are to, uh, for internships, um, we have a 100% placement rate, knock wood, for the last eight semesters for all ACC students who um, have registered for their departmental internship practicums. So um, instead at ACC, uh, our internship program is governed by uh, the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board. And so these internships are for credit. They are in, in classes. Um, we also have continuing ed uh, students as well but they are actually registered in classes, uh, and then we assist them with finding vetted positions. So we make sure that they're not, you know, walking around Westlake putting flyers on doorknobs or having cold call <laughs> lists or anything. It's actually directly relevant to their major. Um, and then the other uh, uh, on service learning, um, service learning is a, um, uh, is, an, is a curriculum device where the entire class is placed with a, uh, for an assignment with a nonprofit or government agency for the semester to work on a project. And these are, uh, in, these are included inside the, um, uh, inside the curriculum of that class and are actually on the syllabus. So uh, those, are, those are two of the areas that we support. I also uh, assist with um, uh, I assist the deans uh, in, and department chairs in health sciences involving clinical placements. So I assist them with hospitals and other clinics. Um, once I find them, I turn it over to them. We don't actually mess with the students. And then also um, I assist and oversee with uh, uh, apprenticeship efforts throughout the college. Well, it certainly sounds like you have your hands full. I do. <laughs> so let's, you know, we'll talk about both internships and service learning, but let's start with the internships. Tell us a little bit about how uh, internship placements work uh, within ACC. We have, I think, the, the best developed and most robust system potentially in the country uh, for placing our interns. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm the director 
and uh, and then I also have a uh, an internship coordinator, Catherine Long, who actually runs the. She works directly with the faculty to help place the students. We have a very sophisticated um, outreach mechanism that, um, well, this week, for example, we started recruiting for the fall semester. And we have a master list of about 700 employers um, who have indicated that they are interested in ever hiring an ACC intern. You don't have to do it every semester. There's no obligation. But yeah, just keep us on the list, ask, ping us every semester. Uh, and let us know, you know, and ask if we'd like to do that. So we have hundreds of employers in the city of Austin who we have vetted to make sure, that, again, that these are appropriate placements um, and, um, and that they adhere to federal labor laws and, and those sorts of things. We have a long list of, of a checklist for them. And we send it out to them and say, who, now who among you is interested in having an intern this fall semester? 2020. That's what we sent out um, on Tuesday of this week. And, um, and then they have a form that they fill out. It's, uh, it's part of our, uh, it was developed internally, uh, a Salesforce customer uh, management system and uh, customer relations management. And um, that comes in and uh, the the job description and the contact information is placed in our database. We discern which departments are the best fit for that. Uh, some of them we already know. If it's a Java programmer, of course, it's going to computer studies. But we have others that, uh, that could be anywhere from communications to management or any number of things. So we might put them on multiple lists. Then those go uh, uh, into each departmental practicum's um, active opportunity list. And so, uh, let's say the, the class has 20 students who've registered for the class, uh, we need to make sure that there are at least, you know, 25, 30 opportunities on that list for that class. And we have, you know, in a short, in a small semester, we have about 25 different departments. In a big one, we'll have as many as 39 uh, departments and programs that are running these classes. And so we have to fill all of those. We have to make sure that every one of those classes have a sufficient number of appropriate placements. And once we have that, it's the professor's list. And they review it. They compare the, uh, the opportunities with the enrollment in their class to make sure, because some, some have specializations, um, you know, in computer studies, for example a networking student cannot take a programming position. That's not their specialization. So we have to make sure we work closely with the faculty to make sure that the lists work, and that's for every department. Um, then we also, once the semester is going, if we have a student who is having trouble, for whatever reason, finding a placement, we have an emergency placement system where the uh, professor has to complete an additional form uh, to explain why the student is having trouble. And um, also we need to know where they've already applied so that we don't contact that company again. But it could be something as simple as the student doesn't have a car and they have to have something on a, um, uh, on a bus line. <clears throat> and that uh, the manufacturing facilities that we found for that, for that particular major, there's no bus lines available. So we have to find something that's more appropriate for them. Um, and so we do, and, and again, 
over the last eight semesters, knock wood, <laughs> we, uh, we have had a 100% placement rate. Uh, that was difficult this summer, as you can imagine, because um, <clears throat> the entire city practically shut down. Sure. Um, so anyway, that's how the internship process works. And, uh, and it, frankly, it has thus far worked very, very well. And so you, you said that you've had, you know, 100% placement over the last eight semesters. What does that look like in terms of, of raw numbers? How many different uh, courses or individual students are placed uh, each semester? We typically, we typically work with about 25 to 30 different classes. Each department has one internship practicum. It's the capstone class of that major. Um, so communications has one class, accounting has one class, computer studies. So that makes it, that, that's a lot easier for Catherine, the internship coordinator. She only has one faculty member per department per semester to work with, mm -hmm. um, which is different than service learning, which I'll tell you about later. So she only has about, uh, you know, 30 some odd faculty that she has to train and work with on, at any given point. However, on a typical year, and we've been building this up tremendously in the last three years since we started this program, um, we typically have about 700 students per year who run through these programs. Uh, however, it's increasing every single semester. And we are looking at a, like all, most aspects of the college, we're looking at a tremendous surge because of the recession. Um, now it's going to be more important than ever to have something on your resume. Um, about 65% of our positions are paid. We ask for $15 an hour. And uh, there are just some majors that, um, <clears throat> that do not pay. And, uh, and then there's some residual at the bottom of, of many different majors um, that are unpaid positions. And this is one of those situations that not everybody gets to be an astronaut, sorry. Um, and uh, the A students get the paid positions and the C students may have to take what's, what's at the bottom. But I really do work very hard to uh, work with employers to, uh, to convert these to paid positions because I explained that they're going to get, uh, you know, if they want our highest, you know, <clears throat> the highest quality, they're going to have to pay money. Right. Wonderful. Let's shift gears for a second and talk about the service learning program. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that works um, at the college. Well, service learning, we've always had some variation of service learning, but uh, until last year, it was very informal. Um, it was basically sort of community, so it could be just community service that you wrote a paper about. <clears throat> um, and there was nothing organized about it in any way, shape, or form. Um, I hired a new service learning coordinator at the beginning of 2019, and we have transformed it. My goal is to make it uh, a national model uh, analogous to our internship program. And uh, so now we have uh, uh, Sabrina Groves is our service learning coordinator, and she has a master's degree in service learning from the University of Michigan, and she's a dynamo when it comes to uh, to working uh, working out the details. She developed a uh, comprehensive training program. She's actually going to have a summer institute next week for another 36 faculty um, to, uh, to get them trained and certified in service learning. Um, 
And the goal is, is that the service learning, again, there are, it is an external learning function of the college. It's not in the classroom, but it's related to the classroom. And it's directly integrated into the syllabus of each class. Um, and it is, uh, it's instrumental in getting students out into the real world. Uh, there are deliverables and measurables. Um, there are uh, external stakeholders that the students are responsible for. Uh, it could be the director of a nonprofit, um, you know, or a, a state agency, for example. Uh, and the students have various functions that they have to fill as they're, an, you know, just like they were an employee, depending on what the project is. However, these are all unpaid. Um, and it's a maximum of 19 hours for the semester. Whereas an internship uh, is those, uh, I did not mention this, an internship is uh, those hours are defined by the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board, and they're typically a couple hundred hours a semester. So uh, service learning is a much lower hourly requirement, but it's the entire class working on a group project together for an external um, entity. Um, I made the decision to not include at this point for-profit entities, uh, so we're just working with nonprofits and government agencies for the time being. <clears throat> Although I could make an exception for that if we have a specific request, I suppose. Right. And I know we talked a little bit about numbers for internship partners. What do the numbers look like for service learning? Uh, when we started this at the beginning of 2019, there were a total, a total of six faculty in the entire college who were um, who were doing any sort of service learning. Um, so as you can see, it was really a moribund uh, initiative for the college and had not gone anywhere, which is why we hired a new coordinator. Um, as of now, we're going to have about uh, in the fall, we're anticipating about 60, so a tenfold increase in the number of faculty. And they've all been trained and certified in this, in this um, <clears throat> curriculum and, and exactly how it can be utilized um, and, um, and integrated into their curriculum. So it's a, uh, it is a three-day um, uh, service learning summer institute. Um, and actually, I think it's, she also has something online that's going over the course of the next six weeks or so. So it's a pretty comprehensive training. Um, I think last, last spring, we had about 15 sections. Um, so, you know, just law of averages, I'd say, you know, we had maybe 250 to 300 students who uh, participated uh, last spring. The goal is that we're going to have hundreds, even thousands of students who, uh, who are doing service learning um, and getting them out into the community. But it's a, it's a, uh, it's a new program, so uh, we're still just building it up. So we're anticipating about maybe 50 sections in the fall. Okay. That's a pretty good number. I think so. Yeah. I'm proud of Catherine. Yeah, it sounds, like it, it sounds like your whole team's doing a fantastic job. Hey. You know, keeping the trains running, buddy. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk about 
internships and service learning on a broader scale. Um, and for the sake of this question, we'll we'll lump them both together. But um, how have internships and uh, the service learning opportunities um, changed or adapted uh, based on the college's adoption of the guided pathways model? That is a great question. And at first, I didn't think much of it, but it has transformed my end of the business, I've got to tell you. Um, for one thing, we have now converted internships. We've really defined it. Uh, before I was assigned to this position um, by Dr. Rhodes and Dr. Cook about <clears throat> oh, four years ago, I guess, um, and it really started in earnest about three years ago, internships were very vaguely defined. And as you can see, service learning was too, even more so, um, that it was just whatever, you know, you could work for Uncle Fred and write a paper uh, about it, but you're really just partying on the green belt and swimming in Barton Springs all day. There was, there were no, there were no guidelines, no standards of any kind. Once we adapted guided pathways and I fully integrated internships into that, um, it became a capstone. This now becomes the lure at the end of the guided pathway. It is that transitional point between your academics and your employment. Uh, the way that ACC runs our, uh, our internship program, it is the last academic function of the college. It is not the first employment function. That's the way some colleges do it. Ours is part of the college. And so it is the final pull point for those workforce <clears throat> development programs. We are also working with the deans of the academic transfer programs and we are really developing internships and co-ops is what they're called in that area. Uh, a co-op is an internship that has a concurrent uh, lecture component every week and uh, that's much more conducive if you're, um, you know, working in history or some such. So <clears throat> they, um, they have that, plus we might get you something that we haven't done this yet, but in a museum or something. Um, but those are the discussions that we have on the table. So this is, uh, it was the adoption of the guided pathways that has really developed these universal standards around internships that we have been able to do. And it has increased the standards of our programs tremendously. And uh, we now have an extremely strong brand across the, uh, across the city of Austin, um, and we guard it. Uh, to get into an internship class, you have to have department chair approval. So you can't just be a second semester computer student um, if you're trying to get a Java programming position. This is something that is reserved for the last semester. And uh, and the uh, I've been in I've been in Mary Cole's office when she refused a student the opportunity to know you're not ready yet. Um, I want you to take this class, and if you make a B in it then we'll discuss getting a, uh, a uh, that internship position for you for the fall. So internships are now very much included in guided pathways. Service learning is integrated into it as well. Um, service learning is really a curriculum tool um, that is built in to any, can be built into any uh, program. Um, Health Sciences has a bunch, you know, uh, dentistry and, um, and, and things like that. 
uh, dental assistance program uh, where they go out and you work they work routinely in the public um, in their area of study so it is directly relevant to their major but service learning is one that is not a capstone it is more it's a tool within within the major and so um, it um, uh, will have the same exact courses that uh, that can either be service learning or not service learning. Uh, we're getting a flag, so we're going to be uh, flagging certain courses as service learning, so that the, that the students will know that there is an external learning component um, of that class. And so, um, so we don't have any issues about transportation or nobody told me this or such. But what we're anticipating are that a we're going to get a certain cat, you know a certain type of student who are very attracted to that and want to have these real-world experiences built in uh, to their guided pathway. Okay. So, you know, with, especially with service learning, you guys have gone through a lot of growing uh, in the last couple of years um, to expand it as much as you have. What types of feedback have you gotten on both service learning and internships? from uh from faculty or students on um you know how it's how it's helped them or how it's assisted through the guided pathways model uh what type of feedback have you gotten on these programs it's fantastic we have gotten nothing but positive feedback across the boards um there are <clears throat> numerous department chairs who just said frankly they would not do the internships if we were not handling the employer recruitment and all of the other organization uh, that's involved in that. Uh, we, um, uh, we also developed a, um, uh, well, I did the, the software, I mean, the, the uh, internship agreement that is required for all, um, all placements. And uh, that activates the college insurance at the place of employment. Uh, but it also, it's, it's put in a database and we can track everybody um, and we know exactly, you know, we now have for the first time really accurate data. So if, uh, you know, the president or provost asks me for some data, I can give it to them um, <clears throat> about those placements. Um, and service learning, people, you know, faculty are fascinated with it um, because with the, the ones who are interested, are just overjoyed that they have this support now. And some of the things that we, they do, one of the services we provide is we are interested in, uh, you know, doing something with um, elderly, el elderly people in Austin. Um, and we have this, you know, we would like to record their life stories and then, um, and then have them written up, you know, it could be a, creative writing or, or whatever. And um, can you help us do that? Well, we did that and we reached out to City of Austin, the Conley Guerrero uh, Civic Center in uh, East Austin, it's across the street from the Eastview campus. Uh, they have a senior citizen, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, <laughs> what is it? A, uh, activity center uh, where the folks drop in during the day. And so we have a class who's assigned over there, and they go over and um, and they have, you know, are extremely welcomed because these uh, these older folks love having the interaction with our with our students, and um, they record their 
their life stories and uh, and write it up. And now we're talking about potentially doing cross-referencing um, um, with uh, RTF and having and, and doing video recordings of that. And um, and then of course giving the uh, recordings to the uh, to the senior citizens so they can take them, they can give them out to their grandkids. And, uh, you know, here's your, the life story of your grandpa, things like that. And so we do the outreach and find out, you know, we have a biology class um, and we line something up with Texas Parks and Wildlife to go and do um, um, river readings on the Colorado River, you know, or was that LCRA, one or the other, um, where they could uh, do, um, you know, chemical analysis of the river uh, below the dams and things like that. Uh, we do the outreach for them. I make those phone calls and call the, uh, you know, find, <laughs> I find, once that we find out what the professors want to do, uh, we help them do it. So the professors have been extremely happy with having this, this outreach tool, because frankly, this is not within their area of specialization. Um, it takes an awful lot to maintain a network like our office maintains and um, and it's a lot of time so professors generally don't like to screw with that so uh, so it has been extremely well received and so uh, we uh, you know we we get nothing but uh but applause when uh, when we're discussing this with deans and department chairs and faculty so um you know, obviously, there's been a lot going on. You know, for as small of a staff as, as your department has, you you certainly provide a very significant service for uh, for students as well as faculty. What what is coming down the pipeline in terms of um, uh, upcoming initiatives or enhancements to internships and service learning? Well, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, life is changing for all of us right now. As you can see, I'm sitting in my study at home. Um, we are having to really investigate more virtual internships. And when we started discussing this with companies, virtual internships are different, inherently different than in person. Uh, when a student is sitting there in you know, a manufacturing facility, for example, um, they can have managers just stop by and assign them projects. Whereas for an intern uh, remotely, they typically have to be assigned to the entire project at once. <clears throat> and, and it'll have a deadline. And so these become what are called in our trade micro internships. These are smaller bite-sized projects that are inherently different than sitting in an office setting the entire time. This is more akin to contract work. And so we're having to negotiate that with both employers and also our faculty and students are not yet accustomed to that. And so this is going to, we're all gonna to have to adapt to this uh, over the course of time. And so this is something new for us that is giving me some heartburn. Um, <laughs> Service learning is uh, is even more problematic with that. I mean, we do have some that uh, we have opportunities that are online, but typically as, <clears throat> well, given the example of the senior citizens at Conley Guerrero Senior Activity Center, um, you need to be face-to-face -face with those people and, um, you know, or going 
uh, you know, how do you take readings um, of the, you know, do, to do chemical analysis of the Colorado River um, below the Lady Bird Lake Dam if you can't go there? Um, so those are, those are issues that we're having to address as well. And we're still new enough here, <clears throat> I'm meaning into the pandemic, that, um, that we're still learning. So um, we don't know, and we don't know how long this is going to last, or we don't know, so we don't, so employers are hesitant to do any permanent changes. Um, so those are, you know, <clears throat> that's a, that is something, you know, <laughs> big in my current inbox. Um, on the happier side, we have uh, we have recently done all sorts of automation. That's how we're able to run such a vast program with so few people. Um, and um, and uh, so we are very effectively automated uh, with that. We are still adding more programs. Uh, for example, in the fall semester, we're adding um, fashion design and journalism internship uh, programs. And so we're actively recruiting there today. Uh, and so we're, we're constantly adding more. Uh, we are adding, uh, one thing that we are looking at is a five-fold, yes, you heard that right, five-fold increase in the number of uh, information technology placements over the course of the next 24 months. Uh, part of that is because we're adding a new bachelor's degree in computer programming. Also, we are adding, uh, uh, we have added, or in the process of adding, an IT apprenticeship program of 350 students. Uh, continuing Ed is converting many of their uh, IT programs to level one certificates, which would include an internship component um, because they get a tremendous amount of additional funding <clears throat> for that, but also it gives a, you know, credence to the program and an advantage to the students. Um, and that's in addition to just a natural increase of, uh, of our computer studies program, our credit program that um, has been growing tremendously over the last five years, but is going to be growing more now because of the economic downturn. You're going to have lots of waiters and bartenders uh, who are going <laughs> to say, you know, I need another way to make a living. I'm going to go back to ACC and study computers. So we are looking at a huge increase in the number of placement and our placement requirements for, and that's just one area of study. Um, you know, we have, again, that's one department. We have, you know, 25 to 35 different departments and programs that we help every semester. So, uh, yeah, I, I have gray hair for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be worse, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, the thing is, I have very competent staff, and also I I feel very supported above me. Um, my AVP and Vice President and Provost have been extremely supportive of everything that we've done, and I have a very collaborative relationship with um, uh with the other AVPs that, whose areas I serve, that's um, Gretchen Reel in Workforce and Galen Scott in Academic Transfer. Um, so they have been very supportive of all of this. I work closely with all of the deans and, uh, and department chairs. And then Catherine works directly with the, uh, with the faculty 
uh, for internships, and Sabrina works directly with them for uh, service learning. Great. Well, Sam, I want to thank you for uh, for your time today. But uh, before I let you go, um, is there anything since it is uh, almost the end of the week? Is there anything that's giving you Riverbat pride this week? I have great news, Matt. Um, this week, my office received um, a national award. It's the uh, at the Salesforce Higher Education Institute, um, and we won the award for what is it? Institutional efficiency. Um, and we the other finalists were University of Florida and Butler University. But uh, our uh, our office and um, in combination with our uh, the ACC IT Salesforce development team uh, won this award for uh, our internship management program, which includes the uh, the database of all of the uh, that the um, employer opportunities are registered in, and it is directly linked with um, with our internship agreement. So we can tell, and it's also linked with colleagues. So we can tell all of the students in the class who've registered for the class and who has been placed where and have they completed their internship agreement. And once they have that, we of course have all of the information about the company within them. And those are, even before you get there, those are linked to the opportunity list so we can see exactly, um, you know, which of the opportunities were filled, who filled it, et cetera. So it is an absolute treasure trove of data that we're going to be able to pour through for years to come. And, uh, and of course, it builds on itself sequentially. And uh, I was proud of it. I had the, uh, you know, I came up with some of the initial ideas, but it was really, um, and, and developed the preceding system that was horribly labor intensive and inefficient. So that's my credit. <laughs> and then Catherine actually worked with the, uh, with the team and she did a fantastic job. So I really give kudos to uh, Catherine and that team um, for getting this. But um, it was, it's a very impressive system and it impressed uh, the executives at Salesforce who thought that it was the, uh, uh, one of the best systems that they had created in the nation. So, um, Woo! Riverbat pride. Excellent. Yeah, that's a lot to be uh, a lot to be uh, prideful for, and congratulations to you and your team. All right. Well, thanks. Well, thank you very much, Sam. Appreciate your time today. And uh, that wraps up another episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. Don't forget, you can view blog posts for each episode on the TLED website. I also encourage you to subscribe to the ACC District Podcasts and any of your preferred podcast apps, or listen to individual episodes on the TLED website. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll chat next time on TLC at ACC. Thanks, Matt.